0: Welcome to Campfire Football, I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 55, it's called Races for Places. Basically there's some real scraps happening all across the leagues in Europe that are really going to be intense, going to go to the final days for sure. There's, going into these final four weeks of the season, whether teams have four, five, six games to go, it is going to be tight for whether it's relegation, European spots, or a title. It's all coming down to the wire, so I'm going to take you through a few of these specific scenarios in seven different leagues, some you may not know as much about. Let's get to it. I'm going to start with the Turkish Super League because it's a league that I know not, not very many people know much about or talk about outside of really Turkish circles. And look, me, I don't watch it very frequently, mostly because there's just so much to watch. But every now and again, I will tune into Galatasaray. I, I, and just because I love the stadium, the Ali Semien, I love where they play. But when fans come back, I will surely start to tune in a little bit more. Because I was also impressed with other Turkish teams that played in European competition. I thought Istanbul, Beshak here were really, really good this year. Funny enough, I'll mention that they are, they're involved in a crazy relegation scrap in the Turkish league. I'll get to that in a sec. First... The usual suspects are atop of it. It's Besiktas at top with seventy five points, Fenerbahce seventy two, Galatasaray sixty nine. So they're separated by six points. There's five matches to play, and I mean, anything can really happen. The major thing is that Galatasaray still has to play against Besiktas. So huge, huge game there. That that's going to be the six pointer, right? If Galatasaray don't win that game, one hundred percent they'll be out of the title race. And Fenerbahce will have to just keep keeping up, hoping that that is the point where Besiktas slip up and where they can go and win the title. But they're going to have to do their own work on the way and clean, you know, keep a clean, clean set of games going in. And this is similar similar is happening in France, and I'll get to that. Now, in the relegation zone in Turkey, it's really interesting. Actually, there's so, there's 21 teams in this league, so It's just slightly unusual number. Now, the bottom four. All go down. So the bottom club is dead and buried. But then the next three are involved in a scrap that goes all the way up involving 10 teams, 10 teams separated by seven points with five games to play. So you can imagine this is going to be every single game. You can imagine the table is going to change this and that. The ones at the top, if they just get one or two wins, they'll eke they'll their way out of the problem. The ones at the bottom, a run of three, four wins, and they can be completely out of relegation trouble. So it's going to be it's, – it's fascinating. If you are into the Turkish League, I imagine you're kind of enjoying this narrative. Anyone who's interested in good relegation scrap, check that out. The title also looks like a pretty good race. All right, moving on to the Women's Super League. I, I mentioned in my last episode – how important the game between Man City and Chelsea was for the title. With just two games to play, Chelsea have a two-point lead. Basically, if they can just be perfect through their final two games, they'll win the league. City will, uh, I, I imagine, be perfect for their final two games. So we'll just have to see if anything if anything happens that w- that's un- unexpected at this point because Chelsea looks shoe-in to win the title. It's at the bottom where it gets really interesting here. West Ham are on 14 points Birmingham are on 14 points Villa and Bristol are both on 12. now only the bottom club gets relegated from this league because there's only 12 teams so right now it looks like Bristol or Villa but either one of them win and they would go above Birmingham or West Ham so that is it is going to be very 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 tight um yeah I mean they're they've they've got two games to play so it's it's going to be Absolutely chaotic down there at the bottom. Moving on to Portugal. The Portuguese Premier Liga is one that I think has deserved some attention this season, mostly because Sporting Lisbon are on course and have been all season to end a 17-year drought from the title. It's a long time. 17 years is a significant amount of time where just Benfica and Porto are winning it consistently. Now, Lisbon amazingly are still unbeaten this season. So you'd imagine they're running away with the title. But their form over the last six weeks, they have drawn a lot. And Portugal and Porto and Benfica have started to pick up the results that you would expect from them and have been on a really good run. Braga was also in in the equation. So when I explain the table here in a sec, you'll see why I included them. But it's only recently that they really were chucked out of the race. So Sporting have 73 points. Porto have 67, Benfica 63, and Braga 58. So Braga, right now, 15 points behind Sporting. So, yes, they're out of the title race. But they just played this weekend. And Sporting went down to 10 men, and Sporting were able to come back and win. or They were able to get a, a late winner, win 1-0. And, I mean, that's a six-pointer right there, right? It, it, it could have been an eight-point lead for them only. Now it's up to 15. So that was a really big thing to to push Braga out of the title race. But Braga is still snapping at Benfica's heels. So it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out. The thing is that Porto and Benfica still have to play each other. And Benfica also has to play sporting. So this really looks good for Porto. It does does look nice for them. They're in a great position if they can just get the next few wins. And especially if they can... Capitalize by if they can beat Benfica and they can capitalize on on any kind of dropped points from um from sporting in that game, then then they should be okay. But it's going to be a tough run, and I'm very curious to see how that pans out. All right, La Liga in Espana. We all talk about this race a lot. Everyone, everyone talks about this one because Atleti they seemed home and hosed at Christmas. They have 73 points. But they are chased by Real Madrid and Barcelona who each have 71 and Sevilla has snuck into this thing since the beginning. They have 70 points So all four teams separated by just three. And the important thing that everyone needs to remember, Barcelona, they do have a game in hand. that's that's going to be huge. Also, Barcelona have to play at Barcelona play Atleti and Real play Sevilla this upcoming weekend. On the eighth and 9th of May, we will be seeing them play each other. So, no, sorry, not this upcoming weekend, next weekend. I apologize. It'll be huge, though. The top four teams battling out, all currently separated by three points. Hopefully, next weekend, we go into it the same way. But what a, what an amazing title race this has turned out to be. It's nice to see that Sevilla are a part of it and that no one's talking about them. I think that works out for them very well. They don't have any real pressure right now. If they can beat Madrid, they have a chance of going top of the table. And then it's pretty much down to, can Barcelona be perfect? And I know they've been excellent lately, but I don't think they will be. I think they will drop points at some point. They will drop two, maybe three. But we'll see if that if that matters, if that's even enough. All right, one of my favorite leagues, Ligue 1 in France. And my homies, my team from Lille, Lusk, they are still top of the table, clinging onto that spot with 73 points, PSG have 72, Monaco have 71, and Lyon have 67. Now, this is a funny thing based on who plays when. And I know that Lyon at 67, you're like, well, they've got to be out of it now. But let me just rewind to this past weekend here where Monaco and PSG played on Saturday and both won. So they let Frog Lille in the table. They each had, they had 72, 71. Leeds were sitting on 70, and Lyon were sitting on 67. Now, if Lyon beat Lille, then they would have gone above them as well. And Leeds would have started the weekend in first, ended Saturday in third, and then could have ended Sunday in fourth. I mean, have it. And they've been top or right in there for a very long time now. So it, it, it's it's so tight. They've got. One of the best teams in Europe just snapping at their heels. Kylian Mbappe's caught fire. Heldi Maria is doing Rabona assist just because he feels like it. And Neymar is going to be back soon. So I, I do have to say I have to favor PSG just because of what they have, the talent they have. But the run-in for all these teams is difficult. Uh, Lyon versus Monaco is the only one where there's a matchup between them, but they all seem to have to play Lens, who are very, very difficult to beat. And for Lens, that's a huge game. That's the derby. And look, it's a final sprint. That only the top three go to the Champions League, so one is going to miss out. But you, you have to realize just how big of a six-pointer that L- that Lille versus Lyon game was this weekend. Lyon had a 2-0 lead, almost going into halftime. And Burak Yilmaz, the giant from the Turkish league. I mean, this guy has come in and been an outstanding signing. 32 years old. Everyone thought, oh, that's weird to just get this guy that's like a legend in Turkey and bring him over to the, you know, the western part of Europe at, at, at that age. Oh, he has been absolutely outstanding. Two goals and an assist. He set up Jonathan David for the second one in the second half and then scored late after getting a, getting a flick on from Yusuf Yazici, they win 3-2. They go back to top of the table. That was the most difficult game they have yet for the run-in. But, I mean, when you have a derby, that's always difficult. And just, it's a young team. They do not have title-winning experience anywhere in that team. So, it's going to be really, really interesting to see if they can just hold on. I'm, I'm hoping for it. It would be so great. But only thing i can hope is that monaco aren't just going to continue to steamroll and that psg they get they get distracted by their ties against man city in the champions league but we'll see at least here's what i would recommend keep paying attention to that because it is tight all right i'm going to finish with the final two where the title races are already pretty much done i mean mathematically they're they're still open but we can we can wrap them up if we want it's what's going on below the t- the title that is actually really interesting. So, I'm going to start with the Bundesliga in Germany. Like I said, the title's sewn up. The thing for Bayern at this point is, can Lewandowski beat Gerd Müller's 40-goal-in-a-season record? I believe he's four away. He's 36 right now. Three matches to play. I, I imagine he'll probably do it. Uh, I-, I think the players want him to, so they're going to do what they can. You're going to probably see a few more dives for some penalties um, but look i hope i hope he does as well i i think records like Gerd Muller's it's it's not about uh, trying to comparing Lewandowski to Gerd Muller i just think it's good for the game that these old records at some point are broken and i think it's great that it takes 40 50 years for that to happen sometimes but i think it is good that they get broken because it it is an inspiration for younger players i mean Lewandowski's run has been outstanding and how many people want to play like him now? And so, it, it, this is a good thing. On top of that, just to get into a, just a touch, just lightly touch on this thing that's been going on in Germany, this coaches rigmarole, merry-go-round thing, I, I, duck, duck, goose, I don't know. You can call it whatever you want. Maybe something with a circle, you know, because it seems, or, or a ladder, a chain. I don't know. But the way coaches, are just being poached by a club that's in a position in the table above or they're a club that has just a little bit more pull. So they just get the guy who's doing well at the next one down and it just chops all the way down. So it all started with Borussia Dortmund deciding Terzic isn't really going to be the long-term option here. So... Hmm let's go ahead and get Borussia Mönchengladbach's manager. And then it just and then it just fell all the way down the line. It was like Mönchengladbach then and 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 the funny thing is every time there was a coaching change announced, the club who was going to be losing their coach started to play worse and the club who announced a coach started to play better. Now, Julian Nagelsmann was just announced as Bayern Munich manager for next season. Incredible. I mean, for some reason I actually thought that RB Leipzig because they're kind of the def- they're kind of a defector club in Germany. You know, they're one of the ones that really had to be reined in with the 50 plus one rule. That's why they're called RB Leipzig and not Red Bull Leipzig because you're not allowed to corporate. You're not allowed to have corporatize your club basically. And because it has to belong to fans and not the company, right? So it, that that is just hilarious. It was after all these coaches and and changes were announced, but from multiple different clubs throughout the season... All of a sudden it happens to Nagelsmann and RB Leipzig, they just like accepted compensation. We're like, sure. And I'm sure they could have said, no, like we're not letting you go. If you want to go to Bayern Munich, like you're 33, someday it'll happen for you. But we're not doing it now. I mean, there was no release clause in his contract, contract like there was for Dio Upamecano. So, yeah, really interesting. One day I really want to do an episode. I want to talk to someone in Germany who can tell me more about the culture And why this is more or less just accepted. People don't really seem to complain about the fact that Bayern Munich comes and gets players because, well, they don't really hold out that much and try to sell them. We don't hear about transfer sagas in Germany. We just don't. it, It gets done. It's finished. It's quick. And Bayern keep their position of power. But in Germany, I'm not so sure if that's something that people dislike. I don't know if that's something that everyone has a huge problem with. I think they would like to see a more competitive league as we all would. But Bayern being a dominant force is also good for German football because they're good in Europe, right? So, and German football is healthy. It's doing well right now. There's a lot of good clubs, a lot of good players, a lot of good managers coming out of there or there currently. So, I don't think they're in a big, big struggle. What's good about this is that at least there is an incredible race. Like I said, Bayern Munich on top, 71 points. There's seven clear of RB Leipzig. That's, yeah, it's mathematically possible, but it ain't happening. Wolfsburg have 57, Frankfurt have 56, Dortmund 55, and Leverkusen 50. And this is the hunt for the top four. So obviously two of those teams that I mentioned will be missing out. And Borussia Dortmund, they still have to play against RB Leipzig. And they also have to play against Bayer Leverkusen on the final day. Wolfsburg also have to play against RB Leipzig. So so there's drop points there that are possible. You got to think Eintracht Frankfurt are looking around going, you know, we've got we've got the options here. We don't have to play against any of these big guys. We really, really could work out for us. It seems like they all have to play Mainz. I didn't actually double check to make sure all of them did. But Mainz turns up on quite a few of their schedules who just beat Bayern Munich this past weekend and are on a roll after having been in really bad relegation trouble. So it, I think this race is going to be really exciting. I really do believe that Dortmund and Leverkusen are the two better teams between Wolfsburg and Frankfurt. But Wolfsburg have been incredibly consistent this season. And Frankfurt, they have this formula. They can, they can score loads of goals. Andre Silva's had an incredible season. They still have Kostic. And now they, they've actually got, and, you know, they brought back, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who went to Real Madrid. Luka Jovic. Hey. So. Eintracht Frankfurt have every chance. They've been disruptors in this league. No one expected them to be back in this position. So th- this is going to be really exciting going all the way to the final day. And the last one is Syria. Another one where the title's probably done. There is an 11-point lead. It's not Inter's not being caught. They have 79 points. Atalanta are next with 68, who I think really have to be favorites to probably finish second actually because of the way they play. They outpace and out fight and outwork every single team they play in in Serie A. It's just a question of, do they score the goals? This is where it gets funny. So they have 68 points. Napoli have 66. So do Juve. So do AC Milan. Lazio have 61, but they have a game in hand, and that will be against Torino. And Roma have 55. Now, I've included Roma in the list because they were really in the conversation for top four until just a few weeks ago. But they also are involved in conversation of what happens in remaining games because they will be playing some teams. So, as I said, the title's done. But when you have three teams battling it out for two spots all in the same amount of points, and then the one just above them only has two points more, it is real tight. And the way Lazio are playing right now, they've got people back from COVID and injury. They've got their full lineup back. They can beat anybody. So, it's going to be Absolutely fascinating. Juve have to play against AC Milan. Inter still have to play against Roma and against Juve. Roma have to play Lazio. Atalanta play against AC Milan. I mean, there's so much that can still happen. And because these teams are so tight and they're all very good, but they all have these weird flaws where just on a day or for a whole half, they just don't do anything. Um, and like I said, Atalanta are the ones that just seem to not suffer from that as much. And that's why I think they will take second spot. After that, take your pick. I have no idea. I really don't. I, 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 Juventus have not been convincing. Napoli have more wins than Juve and have this really great settled unit and everyone back. AC Milan were top of the table for a long time. Um, and, and, and up at the top with Inter Milan for a long time. And they're starting to fall back. It's really hard to say, but definitely worth keeping an eye on. I'm really excited about all these races. This weekend's gonna be, I mean, honestly, impossible to keep keep tabs on everything. But I will do my best to see what goes on in the games that where these teams match up. And also, how it shakes out. Can these go to the final day? That would be the most exciting thing. That would, that would be great. So, fingers crossed, if you're a neutral, this all goes to the wire. If you're a fan of these clubs, well, sorry, I hope it goes to the wire because that's the exciting thing for all of us, isn't it? All right, everybody, thanks so much for stopping by. This is Campfire Football. I will be back with Champions League and Europa League updates when I come back. Thanks so much. Bye.